Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Paul M., Terry P., and Dave V. Returning to the show is James Sykes, Vice President, Exploration and Development of Appia Energy, a uranium and rare earths explorer focused in Canada and the Athabasca Basin. The company is listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange under the symbol API and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol APAAF. James, welcome back to the show. Andrew, thanks for having me. Great to be back. Well, let's talk uranium. Your thoughts, what are you seeing out there, and where have you set your expectations for 2020, James? I'm thinking 2020 looks pretty darn good. I've been talking to a people of a couple of people within the industry who, you know, I think know a lot more than I have, and they are very passionate about what's going on. Um, There's been a lot of things that are taking place. We're seeing some movement in the swoop prices, so that is definitely uh, good news for the uranium industry coming back. Um, Cameco has been signing on to some uh, contracts at higher than what, uh, higher than prices that are quoted, so that's also good indications that this industry should be coming back around. You know, when does it hit full scale? That, you know, I don't think anyone can really answer that, but I do see this as being an industry that will turn around into the positive and for investor favor within the next, uh, let's say, one to three years, just to play it safe. But I do think that 2020 will be a very good year for the uranium. Well, one to three years, that's pretty optimistic, James. That sounds pretty good to me. And we've set our expectations even lower than that. So uh, I think we've got some good things coming irrespective and excited to scoop up companies where we can uh, at great prices and keep the shopping going. And uh, this will certainly come around for us. Well, let's talk rare earths. What do you see happening in that market? And what needs to happen here for Appia to see some respect for the share price? And do you see the trade debacle clown show do you see that resolving, and and will that be positive for the rare earth market? I honestly don't know what's going to happen with the the trade show there. It's um, kind of I, I follow it briefly, but um, you know whatever happens, no one can no one can estimate what Trump is going to do, what's on his mind. So uh, lose cannon on that end. Uh, will it have a positive result on on the rare earths? Um, again, I I honestly don't know. I would like to believe that it would. Uh, I think that rare earths on their own, though, would be independent of that. The thing with the rare earths, though, is that it's it's an ever-growing market. Uh, the last what three to five years, uh, we've seen that the Chinese output has been increasing. Uh, demand for rare earth products is increasing year on year. So again, that is that's a very good sign. And you have companies like Linus who. Oh, they're supplying uh, a major. Uh, they're supplying a large portion of rare earths to you know, to the globe, but as they do that, their supplies also dwindle. So you, you know, the world's going to need some more Linuses, and where is that going to come from? There's nobody really who's who's out there who's who's near that term as it is. Uh, with Appia, though, that's 
you know, we keep saying that this is something that we could move, proven that we can find more. And that's where our future really lies is just, again, we're, we're still an exploration stage. We, we're hoping to be a little bit beyond that point after this summer's exploration. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Uh, we've you know, maintained our focus on such a small little area uh, con compared to the size of the property. But as we have started moving away from that area, we keep finding more. So that just speaks to the, uh, I guess, the size, the potential size of what could actually exist on this property. And I, I see it as being quite massive, in all honesty. A couple questions following up to what you just said there. What is a target size for management? When does management expect to put out some kind of estimations, uh, preliminary work in that regard as to the deposit size at Alsis Lake. And then also, we've spent some time, uh, certainly I've spent a lot of time on the uranium market. When you look at the rare earth suppliers in this market, the prices, the sources of supply, what do you see? Are you, are you seeing that this market is sensitive to uh, any small uh, action in this, in this uh, sector? Um, and do you see that discovery with Appia do you think anybody would care if there was discovery at this point? Um, what do you see as really the primary driver and, and how sensitive this market is? As far as sensitivity goes, I think that it's mostly sensitive on the Chinese side of things. Since they have you know, over 80% control on the entire market, um, I think that this is where this is where the sensitivity really lies. If they want to, you know, if they want to pull some of the same strings that they did, you know however many years ago, then it would definitely have an increase on the price. Um, anytime they say that they're going to ramp up production, um, it does have an effect on the price. They're the guys who set the price as well. So no, you, there's everything is basically con completely based on what the Chinese say and do. As far as anything outside of China, there's nothing really meaningful except for Linus Corp, who again, are all based on Chinese prices and also the Chinese market. But yeah, so there's nothing really outside of uh, China that I think could really have a meaningful impact on the on the rare earth market as it is. Not at this day and age. Uh, future, who knows? I think the future is wide open for a lot of good possibilities. For Appia, uh, you know, with if we come out with something meaningful, will it have an impact? I do think it would, especially considering that the year, when you start talking to the end users and you listen to what people are saying and they have, everyone's crying that we need to get a supply chain established that is completely outside of any kind of Chinese hands. Well, that's, you know, that's where the future really lies. And there are a lot of people who are trying to make that happen. However, with a lot of resources out today, they don't have, you know, they, they can't compete against, against what's being currently mined. So you get you have Rainbow Rare Earths, you have Linus Corp, you have the, the Vietnamese operations and obviously China, which are all you know, cost competitive. That's where Appia comes in, where we differentiate ourselves from our peers is that based on what we've looked at internally and you know some of the numbers that we've crunched, everything at Alsa's Lake does look very competitive. Uh, you can't walk away from high grade, especially at and near surface. So that's that's our model going forward, and that's what we're really going to look for going forward. Being able to prove up a 
a sizable deposit, even something that has five to ten years of of a mine life to it, again with a very small operation, that has something to to be able to bring to uh, North American potential, but also you know other other markets who are who are really desperately looking for that outside of uh, outside of Chinese supply chain. So somewhere like Europe mostly, but also Japan and other other Asian countries. Well, let's talk real briefly. Can you give us an update on capital structure at Appia? How many shares are out right now? Uh, who are the major backers uh, left on the roster? And how much longer will the capital you do have last? Well, right now we have about 65 million shares outstanding, about 85 million fully diluted. Management controls just about 50% of that, so we're still very tightly held in that regard. Right now we're, you know, since we've had two, what I consider to be two very good news releases, our share price has actually come down. You know, we're, we're still at a position that we feel comfortable with. As far as how much cash we have, well, we're, we're sitting at about... Uh, 150,000 in the bank, 200,000, somewhere around that range. But we are looking at doing the financing very soon and hopefully to cash up for the for next summer. And potentially, well, we're, we're keeping our eyes on the uranium market that if if we start to see significant increase in uranium in the next couple months, then we'd like to put a little bit more emphasis on the Lawrence project and get back there and drill some of those targets because I do feel they're very exciting. But yeah, we're, we're trying to cash up uh, pretty heavily about between 1.5 2 million somewhere in that range uh, for exploration mostly on Alsace Lake in the summer. Okay, and you expect that that will carry uh for 2020. Uh, what's what's kind of the idea is it just one financing a year? Is there kind of some or is it market dependent uh where are we at as far as this next financing and how long it'll bump you out? A little bit more market dependent. This next financing again where you know, if if we don't do anything until Alsace Lake then basically all we have is some academic work and some uh, modeling that's going to take place between now and June. So it could be very slow for us. So we'd look at cashing up now. But again, this is where I'm hoping that we can get out there and do some more work on uranium. Because again, if that if that market really starts to move, but even just if we can prove a discovery on Loringer or any of our other projects, uh, especially being near surface, I think that would have a huge impact for the company with uh well would be would be in front of the eight ball this time not behind it so is there uh, another raise planned for next year that's honestly unsure at the moment we'll we'll play that one as as the months come by okay and so i'm clear the uh the uranium projects next year that'll be uh uranium price and sentiment uh driven and then of course yeah. uh what are you going to do at alsis lake next year what's kind of the plan also lake what's really worked for us a lot has been a lot of the surface work so we're going to put a priority focus on that we know we've got a number of zones and there are things that i would have i would have written off in 2017 and 2018 just would have glanced over them said yeah okay these things are small they don't go anywhere but after having that richer discovery that really puts these small zones into major perspective and that's when you consider the richer discovery we sampled it in 2018 and we had less than half a percent of uh, total rare earth oxide in this small little area that was, you know, about six about six feet long and a centimeter thick. Doesn't sound like much, which it honestly isn't. But seeing what we had just drilled in that during that summer, and I you was know, starting to apply some uh, some of the geological working that I've been accumulating since you know, since 2017. 
I thought that this is maybe one of these tail ends that we're seeing. And lo and behold, we drilled it and there it was. We hit close to 10 meters of uh, close to 8%. So these small little zones cannot be ignored because, again, they could be these tails. And that's what I really do think that a lot of these things that we're seeing need to be further assessed. Uh, the gravity, we tried that earlier this year. And we did have some, it works in the sense that we were discovering some gravity highs. So a lot of the targets that we drilled ended up being some iron formation, or at least uh, a heavy iron, heavy iron system within the, uh, within the rocks, which on a side note, actually makes me start thinking of Bayanobo. If anybody's familiar with uh, the massive Chinese operation, uh, there's a lot of synergies between Alsa's Lake and Bayanobo. So gravity works in that, but the iron, was, it basically overprinted a lot of the, the rarest, the, the high-grade clusters that we're seeing. So we need to go back and start refining the gravity survey that we've done to really be able to emphasize and pick up these, these monazite clusters, differentiating them from the iron system. And that's, what, uh, that's another thing we're going to be working on. Uh, we've got a lot of work coming up in which we do think will we'll greatly emphasize and, and really move our summer project forward, uh, being able to apply a working model to the surface. And if that works, then we know that model works and we apply it to the third dimension and that's where drilling comes in. We, you know, from what we've discovered this year with the drilling, we need to be a little bit more efficient with it. Um, so while well, this, this past summer, we had to do some tight detailed drilling to understand the system in itself in the third dimension. And that was very critical. Sometimes you have to take those those educated, you have to accumulate data before you just keep driving on blindly. So it was a necessary step for us. Uh, maybe investors don't appreciate it, but in the long run, it will definitely benefit us far more than just us just going out and, and trying, trying to drill blindly. So a lot of surface work. I can't emphasize that enough. And that's been really, that's been successful for us drilling as well. So surface work and we've got a number of zones that we need to follow up especially outside like outside of areas that we've ever been to and really really pushing what we can learn there to to target the drilling I want to switch back over to uranium for a moment uh, James based on your experience in the region and outside of Appia uranium projects of course what properties do you see with the best potential for uranium discovery it's one I honestly can't answer because uranium discovery doesn't necessarily mean mine. And that's kind of where I'm, you know, I'm in the mindset that I want to find a mine, not just a discovery. And a lot of these projects, you know, they're, they're reporting some, some nice grades, may not be wide enough, but they're also at these depths that are going to require underground mining. Uh, conventional open pits, are not conventional in the Athabasca Basin. So you can't, you know, as soon as you start looking below 100 meters depth from the surface, you're basically looking at an underground mine. So you have to have, you have to find a Cigar Lake. You have to find a MacArthur River. Nobody's doing that. Um, what we discovered for, for next gen, the aero deposit, that is something that looks like it will really move forward. I haven't seen any results come out that are comparable to that since then. So it's, aside from what I think we have going on at Appia, where our target strategy is much different from our, from our peers, um, I, I honestly can't say. Um, 
I just, I just haven't seen anything come out that really moves me in the Athabasca uranium space for, for exploration wise. And can you speak to an existing deposit? Is there a deposit that you like out there? Oh, obviously Arrow. I love Arrow. I think that's uh, that's a no-brainer. Well, I'll leave it there. What are your thoughts, James, on this uh, newer trend of various companies in the sector starting to change focus outside of uranium? What does this trend tell you? Survival mode. They're basically surviving. And that's, you know, you can't blame people for that because they're looking out for their shareholders. Uh, I've learned that myself, you know, getting in, getting on the investment side of things that for for a while there, when I started with Appia, we were able to raise money on uranium and nobody cared about the rare earth story. You know, one year after that, no one would give us a dime for uranium exploration because the prices were so low and nobody really understood when, when the markets were co- going to come back. They kept hearing analysts saying, oh, it'll come back this year, it'll come back this year. And uh, people just kept hearing the same story over and they were losing interest in it. So... Luckily for us, at that time, the rare earth story was taking off. So we got a lot of interest in that regards. So I see a lot of companies following that same suit, whether they go into cobalt, lithium, uh, you know, whatever the flavor of the day was. But it's, yeah, really survival mode. Uh, I do believe, like I, I know a lot of these companies personally, and uh, they're, they're hardcore uranium bulls. So once that price of uranium comes back and, and they can actually uh, satiate the investor's interest, then you will see them going back to focus on uranium. Yeah, it is interesting the, the trend that's taken place, and I agree. I think there are some that are looking for survival, and then I think others. There, there's a few clown shows out there as well. Um, so I think it's a mixed bag in regards to that. I didn't want to touch on those. <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's let's talk. Yeah, and and also on that, now we can't raise you money uh, any money based on uranium, and we can't raise any money based on rare earths. So uh, it's it's quite a pickle. <laughs> oh no, uh, the uranium, the rare earth story is still a very interesting one, and that's one that. Right. I know we can we can keep pushing forward. Again, we we've been on that project. At least I have been on that project since 2017, and we've only drilled about just over 2,000 meters. That's not a right. lot of meterage. It's yes. still very much in its infancy. This is a very very young project. It's just been kind of spread out over three years, and we've had to put a lot of capital costs into camp and and other equipment that we needed up there. So right. a lot of that has already taken place, and now it's more of a focus on the actual exploration side of things instead of establishing ourselves in the area. So again, that's, I have no fear about Alsa's Lake moving forward. That's a great property. That's, I haven't worked on a better property in my life than that one. And I've been to Red Lake. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And I was pointing just to the fact that in the mining sector as a whole, James, it's just sentiment is in the crapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you talk about copper or any of this, uh, it really is generally... Uh, pretty pretty quiet out there at the moment, even though prices have moved off their bottoms from 2015, early 2016. Well, let's move on here. I got just a couple of questions left. I know you got to get moving. For investors' investigation and research work, James, what key questions come to mind for you that investors should ask of management teams and geologists that help to form a picture about whether or not the company is a viable proposition that should be further investigated? Wow, that's actually a really good question. You know, investors should be wary of, like you said, um, who's out there just trying to really raise money for their CEOs just to say float that way, or who's actually got something that they will put some money towards that could uh, lead towards a minor, lead to, to shareholder value. Uh, and that's obviously what everybody wants to see. So 
questions framed around that type of idea. So uh, what projects do you have? How long have you worked on it? How much have you put into it versus what you've gotten out of it? That's always one of my biggest things. I've seen companies who go around boasting, oh yeah, we put over a hundred million dollars into this property and I look at what they have and they have nothing. <laughs> so uh, something like that. Uh, how often are you going to be the dead horse? Um, are you, you know, fresh ideas, new ideas, things like that. Uh, for investors, they should look at management success rate and, and things like that because that does actually go a long way. It shows the people who are more serious versus others. Yeah, those are just some of the quick ideas that I can rattle off. And thoughts on the U.S. Uh, fuel Working Group. When will that be over in your view and any ideas of what might come out of it? No idea. Even though they say, I think it was what, December 15th was a deadline, I don't think that'll be over. I think uh, I think that'll be something that will continue on for the next little while, especially if we see the price of uranium come up. They might really push on it some more, or they might just lax, become lax and say, okay, well, we're making money now anyway, so let's just let's just go for it. Honestly, don't know. Yeah, very well. And I... Uh... It'll be hard to say what'll come out of this. It seems like it's been politicized enough that it's probably a political tool more or less at this point. And then deadlines apparently for a lot of people don't matter anymore. And it's just uh, a a real shit show, to be honest with you. Well, let me me ask you this. uh, So there are probably some audience uh, out there who are on the sidelines with regards to Appia, James. Why should they consider Appia today at current price levels? What would you say to them? Well, at current price levels, it's definitely a, a bargain. I think now is definitely the right time to get into it, uh, especially with us going into a financing. I can't recall us doing a financing at uh, at such a low price. So I think this is the time for people to get in. You know, I really don't like pumping myself all that much, but I do believe that I have an amazing track record and you know, I'm very passionate about geology. I'm driven for success. That's what really gets me going. I love to find, I like to make discoveries and viable ones, which is why I'm so bullish on Alsa's Lake. I've never seen a property like it. And I think this really has the legs to move forward and become a major player in the in the rare earth space. Maybe not tomorrow, but the way that I see everything and you know everything being monazite in such high grade clusters, it's something that can move forward. And we firmly believe that there is a monster of a root source waiting for us to be discovered, plus all far more additional near surface discoveries to be made. Alsa's Lake has the has the makings of being something very special, uh, not just for the company but for Canada alone. And given that the rare earth space is is not going to dwindle down, this is just like the uranium market. It's more of a matter of of it will go on. It's just a matter of you know when we actually see that uh, rare earths will continue to grow. Um, and with our uranium assets as well, uh, especially our Saskatchewan exploration properties, I think those are very lucrative properties and uh, they, you know, they've already yielded us technical results, technical successes. Uh, obviously, not quite the high grades that we've always hoped to see, but I'm seeing indications that there are hydrothermal fluid systems on the property, which is exactly what we're looking for. And they light up like Christmas trees. Now it's just a matter of finding of where those fluids deposited some uranium. Yes, and I, I think it's a matter for investors. I think it's a matter of, of patience and solvency at this point. And James, how about uh, how can folks reach out to you and Appia to learn more and to contact? All of our contact information is on our website, so you guys can reach out to the main Appia branch there. 
Uh, myself, I'm always accessible by phone or by email. I prefer email mostly. And you can actually find my email address on any of our news releases, which are also on our website. Well, James, let's leave it there. I uh, really appreciate you coming on to take to some time to update on Appia. And we look forward to seeing some sound progress in 2020. Talk soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Andrew. Take care.